And so, my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. In the councils of government, we must guard against the acquisition of unwarranted influence, whether sought or unsought, by the military-industrial complex. That we can, and so help us God, we will make America great again. What's up, guys? Welcome to another episode of the No Gimmicks Podcast. I'm your humble host, as always, Brady Leonard. Hopefully, you guys are having a terrific week. Uh, great show for you today. I was joined by my brother, Remzo Martinez. It's always a great time uh, hanging out with Remzo. Uh, you know what? No spoilers today. We, we covered a lot. It was kind of a roller coaster of a podcast, but uh, no, no spoilers today. Just listen to the show. I think you'll like it. <laughs> Before I get to Remzo, guys, please, if you haven't already, follow us on Twitter at No Gimmicks Pod. Please subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Make sure to subscribe. And if you like the show and want to get involved with what we're doing over here, you can support us monthly over on Patreon, patreon.com slash the No Gimmicks Podcast. All right, without further ado, the great Remzo Martinez. All right, guys, we're here with my brother, Remzo Martinez. Remzo, how you been, man? Brady, can't complain. I think I'm Wisconsin night now. I, uh, I saw a Brewers game in person, uh, had some actual German beer by actual Germans, and uh, I've discovered that you do not put ketchup on bratwurst because only commies do that. So really? things are good. Things are good, yeah. What's wrong with uh, ketchup on bratwurst? Have you literally tried putting anything else on bratwurst? Um, like mustard, maybe? Okay, onions? you put mustard, put mustard, some onions, and some sauerkraut on there, and then you're then you're cooking, but you don't put ketchup on there. Gotcha. Yeah, sauerkraut is superior on brats. For it sure. is. Absolutely. Did you get any of that uh, squeaky cheese yet? Y- you know the thing about you, you know the thing about Wisconsin cheese. It's like I've been going around. And I thought it would be something like incredibly unique, and uh, really, it's it's not because if you think about it, like most of the cheese you can get anywhere else in the country is usually from Wisconsin, like Sargento, that type of stuff. Yeah, what yeah. I did do was I had some of my uh, college roommates who were going to be my groomsmen at my wedding. Um, they came out 4th July last week and I introduced them to cheese curds and they were like, why would we want to eat cheese curds? That sounds terrible. But I introduced them to fried cheese curds and then they were like, oh my God, where's this been my entire life? And then we went to the, uh, Sprecher brewery for a Sprecher beer and in their bar, they only serve unfried cheese curds. So they're like, oh, is this going to be any good, not fried? And it was just as good fried. And, and now suddenly I think they, they understand that the Midwest is a beautiful place full of, uh, you know, people who are buzzed all the time and good fried food i'm <laughs> I'm not complaining at all and they are certainly not complaining yeah i mean that's a that's a pretty that that, that tracks it pretty well the midwest it's, it's weird man i uh i had cheese curds for the first time like two weeks ago really yeah you, you see i'm not i'm not that surprised now because i never tried them until april when i came to wisconsin for the first time and i had them at the milwaukee airport i had a basket of cheese curds and a, a glass of a jack meat and i was like this is freaking phenomenal but i i could totally like i could totally see that this might not do well in like other parts of the country like in the south like everything is fried right uh you know we've got barbecue so it's like you know every region has kind of like its staple and i feel like if i ate fried cheese curds anywhere outside of wisconsin it wouldn't have that magic to it it's like when i when i was in high school i went to hershey park for like a, a field trip because public education take the kids to theme parks. The one good thing they did. And I really thought that when you got like a funnel cake drenched with chocolate syrup, it would come out like this giant, awesome 
Hershey special syrup machine. It would be different than the Hershey I could get in the bottle at like Walmart or something. No, the, the greasy teenager goes ahead and grabs um, the bottle that looks like it's been like in a shelf for like a thousand years. And it's already like a qu- like, you know, there's only a quarter of it left. And he just like sprays it on. He's strangling this thing over my funnel cake. And he's like, here you go. And I'm like, that's not special. No, but no, here, it, here it is. It is weird, though. It's such like a bizarre cultural thing where like. And it's, it, I think it, it well, I, I got cheese curds the first time. I'm always up in the UP. My family's a cabin up in the UP, mm-hmm. uh, which is basically Wisconsin. I mean, it's just, you know, people talk with like a Wisconsin accent up there and everything. But oh, like, yeah. It's oh, such yeah. a weird, like, cultural thing that, like, they all love cheese curds, but, like, the you know the cheese curds are good if they squeak, make their teeth squeak. Like, why? Like, why is that? Well, you could hear, like, the little whistle. Yeah, like, I Like, in the I back of your that. head when you're eating them. I just don't understand why that's, like, preferable. That's what, what people are looking for, squeaky cheese. It, it's it's the sign. It's the sign. The sign of what? Goodness. Makes sense. So my, you can't, my hometown, you can't explain all things. You no, just no, know no. when you know. Some, some things you know just when are. you know. Yeah. yeah. So my hometown of Toledo, Ohio, um, only makes national news for really bizarre stuff. Like I remember like 10 years ago, uh, one time our mayor at the time suggested that we move all the deaf people up to the airport. <laughs> I'll put the home for the deaf next to the airport, which I mean, that's not the worst idea I've ever heard. Quite frankly, I mean, it sounds dumb when you say it, but when like you he, really think about it, like <laughs> you know, he he has he has a point. Yeah, like he probably shouldn't have said that out loud, but I mean, there are that's an inside places. thought. Yeah, that, yeah. I mean, there's certainly worse places to put a home for the deaf. But uh, yesterday, yesterday we made national news again. Um, there was a. I'm always nervous, man. When I see like a, a Toledo local news outlet, like a tweet trending or something, I'm like, oh no, what did we do now? Like last year we had like five city councilmen arrested by the FBI for taking bribes. And all these bribes were for like three grand. <laughs> like, like one was like 1500 bucks or whatever. And it's like, dude, bro, come on. Like if you're going to get arrested for bribery, make at it least make yeah. it count. Yeah. But anyway, so we made national news again because yesterday – um, apparently there's a giant mural of uh, George Floyd painted on an old abandoned bar downtown by the river. And uh, <laughs> there's a Chris Farley joke in there somewhere. I wasn't even going there, but uh, <laughs> um, the mural was struck by lightning and destroyed yesterday. Like lightning struck lit, like George Floyd's face. Like it was just like the rest of the wall completely fine, but it just hit George Floyd and destroyed it. Lightning strike. First, first question, just, is George Floyd from Toledo? No. I'm sorry, was he? No. Has he ever been to Toledo? Not that I know of. Okay. I, I'm not, I have nothing to add. I'm just saying that happened. I mean, all the things that I can say, all the things that I want to say, but I will say this, suddenly a lot of people got religious overnight. <laughs> the bar... <laughs> That the mural was painted on. It closed down probably five years ago, but the bar was called Mugshots. Do you think we're living in a simulation? It was called Mugshots, and they painted George Floyd's face on it, and it was struck by lightning yesterday. Oh, boy. That's it. I'm not not saying anything. I'm just saying, I'm just, I'm just reporting the news like a good journalist. How does, like, how does, like, the National Enquirer and The Onion and the Babylon Bee make money when real news is so much funnier sometimes. Dude, 
Like, this is literally a Babylon Bee article. People paint an idol of a convicted felon on a bar called Mugshots, and it's struck by lightning. Well, it's like the same the same question behind, like, why is California have like, you know, fire tornadoes and stuff like that. It's like, hmm, let's uh, let's let's take a look down a list of your recent actions as a collective. <laughs> it's weird stuff, man. It's weird. It's Toledo, Ohio, man. It's it's always something. Always something really bizarre. Anytime you hear Toledo, it's it's going to be weird, man. Some weird people. My 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 fellow Toledoans, they're they're very strange folks up here. W- would you say it's like the South Park of the flyover states? <sighs> I think Toledo, yeah, not like the rest of Ohio. Because there's no one else in the rest of Ohio. Not not anybody that matters. You're like the you're like the country of Greenland. You're like eight people. Remember that time we almost bought Greenland? <laughs> that was real. That, that was almost kinda, happened. That was kinda awesome. I love that news cycle. He 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 could have done it too. Yeah. I wanted him to. Remember the tweet? Remember what they took from us with Trump's account? He was like, I promise not to do this. And it was just Trump Tower just in the middle of Greenland. <laughs> Screenshots live forever, my friend. Screenshots live forever. So my least favorite thing in politics right now is the conservatives who, honest honest to goodness, I have to assume they're just controlled opposition at this point. Uh, I mean, the folks led by by David French and, and Jonah Goldberg and, and people like that. And, and every re- week they write a new article which is, it's always something ridiculous, like the conservative case for critical race theory, is, which is what David French was, was promoting this week. And it's always like the conservative case for something that cannot possibly be construed as conservative or or like, you know, with this example of critical race theory, just the conservative case for like literal racist, communist, evil propaganda. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's I mean, like, you, were ta- you were talking about it on Twitter and it was like, you know, he, he's... He's he's writing this piece. It was actually um, what was the title? It was uh, a conservative case for not banning critical race theory. And it's like you think these people are gonna like you. Like it's it's not about actually succeeding at anything. It's not about actually making a change. It's about being socially acceptable amongst people that want you to be their token, whatever. Your token then, conservative. It, it won't your token. work. It won't work. I mean, these people hate David French just as much as they hate you and I. Like I don't get but, like, but it's but it's like a push play syndrome. You see, they they've 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 created this echo chamber, and you know, every day I'm out of the Beltway, I, I see myself like opening my eyes, and I'm like, holy crap, I was living in like a whole other reality for like ten years, and you, you know, it's one of these situations where it's like, you know, you're 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 trying to make what you feel is like the moral case, but it's like you know. There is no moral case to be made when the people you're defending are going to immediately take what you give them, and then they're going to bash you over the head with it. It's like with libertarians who were um, trying to, you know, collect funds and were defending and were fighting people online for Chelsea Manning, Brad Manning, and um, you know what what does what does Chelsea Brad do as soon as they get out of prison? Uh, they become a commie. They become a, I don't I don't know what they want to be called. Um, uh, they <laughs> it's he, he ends up. Yeah, Chelsea Brad. So, so so he becomes a communist. uh, You know, calls libertarians white supremacists and all this Uh other stuff. Uh And you you get to this point where it's like, you know, you just enabled this person that looks at you, sees everything you did for them, and still says, "I hate you." Oh yeah. And you know, you see another case. I'll I'll throw libertarians under the bus again. You got like Nicholas Sarwark saying, "If your favorite republic, if your favorite libertarians are Republicans, you're doing something wrong." And it's like, you Hmm. know, you could pull a puppy out of a river. 
and people like that and David French will go ahead and grab it from you and toss it back in. <laughs> yeah, that star work thing is is pretty hilarious too, considering like the most effective all of almost all throughout history of the most effective uh, libertarians have been Republicans. Um, but it's like with the whole conservative case for X, like you don't get like there's just a very specific kind of human being that writes these pieces. And it's just those guys. There's like five of them. Right. And you, you just don't get it. Like, oh, there, there's there's more than five, man. And that's the sad part. Yeah, it's like, you know, especially there, there, there's this young generation of people that think if they follow the same broken path, they, too, can get a blue Twitter check mark. You know what they say? Do the same thing over and over and expect different results. Yep. Yep. It's what they teach you. But, like, <laughs> I, I just want, I, I wish we could get some of these headlines from, like, other groups. Other than, like, I want, like, from the New York Times, like, the progressive case for, like, being cool and leaving people alone. <laughs> you know what I mean? But you don't, you don't get, you don't get that. You know what I mean? Like, I, like, what if, imagine if libertarians started writing our articles like that. How hilarious. It would be like the libertarian case for endless wars <laughs> or something. Like, like what? Liberta- oh, Joe, Joe, uh, Joe Bishop Henchman, the former chairman of the Libertarian Party, who stepped down after a whole debacle a couple of weeks ago. He was trying to make a libertarian case for forced vaccinations. Okay. Oh, and, and it's like, you, you know, th- this is this is like, do, do you watch cable news anymore? No, I don't have cable, dude. I haven't had cable in 11 years. I, I don't I don't have cable for the first time in my life since I moved here to Wisconsin. I don't have cable. I don't really do a lot of, like, I do enough for, like, you know, work purposes and stuff, but I really tune out of it. And I've also just been on, like, an unfollowing spree of people. It, it's, you know, it's been cheaper than therapy. It's free. Dude, just got to hit the unfollow button. I realized on Twitter the other day, Remzo, that I have an alarming number of people muted. Not blocked. I don't block anybody. There, there's, just, there's so many hundreds, hundreds. I have all, and that's why like everybody gets mad at Twitter, and I don't because I have all the annoying people muted. Like all the annoying, like all the accounts that it's like, oh man, that guy really gets my blood boiling. Muted. Probably been muted for years. I don't even see that nonsense anymore. Did I ever tell you why I I, I ended my first podcast? Uh huh. So you know my my podcast uh, when it was starting in like 2015 2016 i intended to be like the the um you know the podcast media outlet for libertarian politics in virginia and over time it became more national it was a top 100 show on news and politics on itunes for a hot minute uh it was mentioned in a bunch of local papers and stuff like i was the go-to source in the commonwealth of virginia and it was primarily just interviewing candidates politicians talking local news and stuff. And at that point I thought, you know what I really want to do? I want to be a commentator. I just want to be like one of these columnists who's just paid to be a great thinker. And then I got to the point in my life where I'm like, this is literally doing nothing for anybody. <laughs> and at that point, you know, like I, like I, I, I tell people and you know, I, I did, I did end it because I was working on my first book. Um, your next articles, I, your next article is going to be the podcasters case against hosting a podcast. Oh, well, I mean, the, the thing was, like, what was I doing to like, like, if you're not passionate about it and if you don't feel like you're giving people value about it, then it, it's it's not really worth it. Like, I can't do what you do. You do what you do because you're passionate about it. You're good at it. And you come at it from a very independent, while conservative perspective. I lost all the passion for that. And I was like, I need to make sure that I'm doing something that's actually 
impactful. When I was at the Washington Times, I felt purpose in my work. When I was at other places, I felt purpose in my work. And when I came back to my podcast, it was at the point where it's like, you know, I'm not talking about things and stories that make people happy and add value to their lives. And I don't know how anyone reads some of these people, especially at like the, these very conservative outlets. And it's like, you know, I need to listen to this person. This person is actually like, you know, impacting me in a positive way. And I'm not just targeting National Review. It's a lot of these people, like a lot of these, a lot of these, you know, like big conservative figures. It's like you look at them and you need to ask. It's like, what did they actually do? And what are they actually doing other than just talking? And most of them just getting into fights with each other. I mean, these people, and it's not everybody at National Review. I have a lot of friends that that work there, um, and they they have some really really good thinkers over there still. And some of them bother me, but. Um, for a lot of these guys and all those guys like Jonah and, and French, like they're not even with National Review anymore. They started their own their own thing with uh, Steve Hayes. It's the Dispatch. Um, but it's like it's just funny, man. When it's like it's like know. they couldn't they couldn't hate Trump enough. Yeah, yeah. Even well, the even the even the never Trumpers were never Trump enough for them. Well, the thing is, it's I I, I just think a lot of these people are consumed by another reason why I don't get burned out doing this podcast is that I don't take politics personally at all. Like, I just don't. And like, I'm like, I think part of that's just, I don't know, but where I'm from, because like in Toledo, like I've, it's, uh, it's one of the bluest, I live in one of the bluest counties in the country. Like I've never had a Republican mayor, congressman, state rep, state senator, city councilman, anything. It's all Democrats. It's like a it's like an eighty twenty Democrat Republican area. So it's like I'm used to losing all the time. So it's like when when my side loses, I'm like, eh, it'll be all right. I'll buy some more ammo and it'll be good. But like you know, I don't I don't know. Like it, it, with with these David French Jonah Goldberg types, it's just funny, man. When they lambast any conservative actually standing up and fighting for their principles. It's like, bro, what have you conserved throughout your career? Like, what, what, did, what did the old guard conservatives conserve? Like, look around. Like, there's trannies twerking for children at libraries. We're in, like, seven wars for no reason. <laughs> like, I mean, look at infl- like we're looking at the worst inflation numbers in, in 40 years. It's like, I mean, just look around. Look around the country. Like, what have you guys accomplished? Like, what has David French accomplished? What has he conserved? The culture? No. no. I mean, you've lost. Like, you just all you do is lose. And then when people actually want to use different tactics to stand up and fight for their principles, they get butthurt about it. It's like, bro, read the room, man. Like, what what are you doing? I mean, the people who actually make the biggest difference in their community, state, and nation are the people you'll probably never know the names of. Oh, yeah. um, when, I, when I was at Freedom Works, I'm— you know, as, as an intern in like 2015, um, I met people who had full-time jobs, had families, you know, they, they, they match the stereotype of I'm too busy to get involved. And they still took time out of their day to get involved, to go to, you know, uh, school board meetings, to go to their congressman's office, to do a letter campaign, to do stuff like that. And those people did it not because they wanted to go ahead and become a news contributor on TV or something, but because their lives were directly being impacted. And, and those are largely the people who, you know, they, they call themselves conservative and they vote Republican, but they don't even see themselves as that anymore. And I'm not making the case to vote one way or another. I'm just saying that there's this large disconnect between 
who we consider thought leaders and the people who were directly making making an impact. And we've put more of our eggs in one basket over the other because we want to go ahead and own the libs on Twitter and stuff like that. But really, I mean, at the end of the day, we're, we're going to have to get into a point in each of our lives where we really have to consider was all the time worth it. Because when we fight on every hill imaginable, like how, how many people spent days, weeks, months talking about Colin Kaepernick? Oh, yeah. Like how does, how does that how does that how does that impact your life at oh, all? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And how many how many conservative seminars happen where it's like, how do we reach out to the black community? And it's like always either like the same, you know, like black panelists there or there's not even one included. It's just the same people who are just, you know, walking around, giving themselves pats on the back. And it's like, there we go, guys. We we cured racism. And it's like you, you don't you don't get it. You, you really don't. And, you know, I, I tell people this pretty often. I said this on Ben Stein's show, The World According to Ben Stein. It's like if if I wanted to become real famous and stuff overnight, I would have been a, you know, a hardcore immigration guy, despite the fact that I'm not Mexican, despite the fact that my family is full of citizens who were born in this country, despite the fact that I don't even speak Spanish, because if I had gone on a certain route, none of that would have mattered because of my name or because of the things I said. Yeah. And that's what that that's what we do. So we talk about controlled opposition, but what we need to understand is that this happens on both sides. It's just that when it comes to Republicans, uh, when it comes to conservatives, when it comes to people who want to advance liberty, they they sometimes cut their nose to spite their face. And then we look around and say, "Look, guys, as the city is burning, we did a great thing." You're absolutely right, and the Colin Kaepernick thing is a great example of just. <laughs> I cared about that so little, dude. Uh, yeah, I like, I, I. There's nothing. There's no news cycle I cared less about than that. But man, dude, I drove. It, I drove man, all the way. Get the boomers going. Man, I drove all the way from Virginia to New Hampshire to do to a not, get out the vote to not care about Colin Kaepernick. Well, no, like this is how it still hit me over there. And I thought I was escaping it because there's like 10 people in New Hampshire. But, um, you know, I was I was I was doing this like get out the vote thing for some guy's campaign. And, uh, you know, it was a primary. Uh, and this this guy came over. He talked to me, He talked to the other dude running in the primaries volunteer. And he looked at me. He said, you know, I would have voted for your guy, but I see you're wearing a Nike jacket. And for the record, it's <laughs> raining outside. And I'm like, excuse me. He's like, well, Nike hates America. And obviously that says something about you if you haven't thrown it away by now. And I'm like, dude, there's a hundred twenty dollar jacket and it's raining. That's so weird, man. What and a bizarre. It was uh, one of those moments where I'm like, I, I I can't write this. Yeah. I really can't. One one more thing going back to to the David Frenches of the world. And I have no problem now. I, I tried not to bash him too much because he's not here to defend himself but i have multiple he times wouldn't I've, defend you well i've no he wouldn't defend me and also i've invited him on the show multiple times and he has not gotten back to me so it's like fine I, I, hey man like you can come on here and debate me if you want but he doesn't want to so which is fine i mean i get it he has a bigger platform than i do and all that i understand but like i when i when i read his pieces and and i'll, I'll tune into like jonah's podcast occasionally i don't know if david french still has a podcast he used to but um i like these guys, you can tell, man, you can tell when somebody is consumed by hatred, you know, and it's not just hatred for Donald Trump. Like, obviously, they hate Trump, but 
Like, they hate Trump voters. They hate, like, Jonah went on a rant a couple months ago on his podcast about how he, he hates Ron DeSantis. And it's like, okay, Ron DeSantis is literally, like, his policies are everything Jonah Goldberg has advocated for for the last 25 years. Okay, you know, he's like, but he tweets me. No, no, it's just that he likes Trump. <laughs> it's that he, it's that he voted for Trump, that a Republican governor, you know, a Republican running for governor in a Republican state, endorsed the current sitting Republican president. Oh no! <laughs> but that, that, that is enough. His hatred for Trump is so great that he now he just by osmosis hates. Ron DeSantis. It's like he hates, they hate anybody that voted for this guy. And that's the thing. And like, maybe, maybe it's because I'm surrounded by Democrats. Most of my family are Democrats. My entire city are Democrats. Most of my friends are Democrats. Like, I, I just don't take anything personally. And it's like, I don't know, man. It's just ugly, man. Hatred is ugly in politics. And you can tell, like, what, why did conservatives like Tulsi Gabbard so much? It's not just because she was right on Syria. Yep, I agree with her on Syria and all that. And it was great that she roasted Kamala Harris for being a ridiculous warmonger. I, I, that, that's, that's fantastic. But it's, it has nothing to do with that. Conservatives liked her because she doesn't hate us. She was the only person on those Democratic debate stages that didn't hate us. Like, Dude, she literally, like, and this is when I was working at Parler, she, so she was the only elected Democrat in the country to have an active Parler account. And I kid you not, she wished me happy birthday publicly. Ah, oh. that was one of the that was one of like the highlights of my life. <laughs> <laughs> but dude, like the thing is, like she's not. I mean, she's bad on everything except for Syria, right? You know what I mean? Like, and and religious liberty. She's got in really. I mean, she's like a communist when it comes to economics. I mean, she's but, like. But a big you see, like she has she has like her she has like her regular life. And it's like her her identity is not through politics. Yes, yes, and she's just not. She's a kind person. You could tell she doesn't yeah. hate Republicans. She disagrees with Republicans. She doesn't hate Republicans. And everybody's like, "Oh, she's great." <laughs> it's like, like she was the only. I mean, it's like the bar is set so low. Just don't hate our guts, and we'll be cool with you. You know what I mean? And it's yeah. like, and but you can just tell when you read like a, a David French piece. It's like, man, he hates us. It's like, and it's like you can just tell, man. It's like a stain on somebody. When they're in public life, when they're full of hatred, it's it's a bad look, and I and that's just what's fueling fueling them. And it's I don't know, man. Like, it's a bad way to build a career. And look, I, David French has more money and, and fame and success than I do, so I'm I shouldn't be giving him advice. You know, that, it, that's, it, that's, it that's that's a funny thing though. To build like, that's your funny career th- on that. Like, I I would I would bet he's actually not as wealthy as people think. A, a lot of a lot of these like columnist commentators and stuff like that. Unless you get like a CNN contributorship, there's not a lot of money involved. Yeah, and well, that's that's I even cannot... worse. Like if there was money involved, like if you're getting like 30 pieces of silver or something, maybe I can understand. But you're, what you're winning are fleeting accolades from people you know who hate you <laughs> yeah. and a false sense of public approval. Yeah. And that is that's almost even more egregious. That says something about the person. Yeah, I know. It, it's so bizarre. Like, what are you really gaining with any of this, I I don't know, man. It, it's it's bizarre, and I, I yeah, I don't know. I almost feel bad for these people in in a certain way. I mean, you can just you, I don't know. Enough, enough on David France. We don't need to kick that dead horse uh, anymore. I love this one though. Uh, how about this? George W. Bush said yesterday that it was a mistake to end the war in Afghanistan. Your thoughts? Uh, the fact that you know that was newsworthy 
is uh, is the first funny part. But it's like, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm kind of split because I feel terrible for the people of Afghanistan. Like things are about to get horrendous for them. But oh, at the sure. same time, it's like there was never anything clean. Like there, there's this, uh, you know, like uh, St- Stanley McChrystal and a few other people wrote books about, you know, their time in Afghanistan. Actually, the movie uh, War Machine is based off of, uh, you know, McChrystal and you know some of the other people that he served with when he was in charge of Afghanistan. And it was like one of the situations where it's like, you know, there's there's no winning. Like you can't you can't come clean. It's not going to be this nice, peaceful withdrawal and parades and stuff like that. Like nobody's getting a parade when they came back, when they come back. It's just not happening. Like no one's looking at the situation and going to think that things are better as a result of it. And, you know, we might complain about it here, but like I'm not ever going to comment on it uh, going further. I mean, the way I see it is uh, Americans, we don't have the right to say anything about Afghanistan because think how bad things are about to get for the Afghanis. If things have been bad for like the last 40, 50 years of their history, things are about to get like dark ages with this new Taliban government that's going to come in. Like we're talking like hundreds of thousands of people who are going to be slaughtered indiscriminately. And you're going to have some people who are like, oh, well, it's great because we brought the troops home. And then you're going to have other people saying, look at Afghanistan. And but both both sides, when it comes to this one, they've got, um, you know, they've, they've got some, you know, like actual claim for their arguments. But uh, there, there's no winning in this. And it, it just makes me feel terrible having to you know, come to this realization that, you know, we we've destroyed the lives of millions. I mean, somebody uh, pointed out a figure. It was like 36 million people between 2001 and 2019 specifically um, who were displaced or, or killed as a indirect result of, you know, us intervention in North Africa and the middle East. Like it's not like, it's not pretty. It's and we can, we, we can go ahead and say, Oh, well, you know, it was, it was Taliban. It was ISIS. It was Gaddafi. It was Assad and all these people. But it's like, you know, if you're just going to go ahead and say that, and you're trying to just water down the numbers, it's like, you know, it's not gonna. It's not. It doesn't make. It doesn't make it any better. Like there is no winning. No, no. I'm, there's never been a, a winning situation in Afghanistan going back a thousand years. I mean, Afghanistan. I, just I, Afghanistan. I remember. Yeah, I mean, I remember. And this was like the worst time to discover Ron Paul. It was like my first year in the army, and I remember sitting in a class about like grand strategy. It's like understanding what defines winning and how to determine results and all that stuff. And I was like, I, I asked one of my instructors. It's like, how is how is this how is establishing a liberal democracy in Iraq going to help us long term? I mean, it's like, well, that's not the that's not the question we follow. Like, no, that 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 is the question. We followed the exact model that the Soviets did in the 1970s and 80s. I mean, like to a T. I mean, Zbigniew Brzezinski, Mika Brzezinski's father, who was Jimmy Carter's uh I think he was the national security advisor, I believe. Is that right? Talk about a duo. I'll take your word for it. I think so. But anyway, Brzezinski, he wrote in his memoir that, you know, he was bragging about how the United States baited the Soviets into invading Afghanistan because, quote, we needed to give them their own Vietnam, meaning a war that they can't win. And it worked. They invaded, killed a bunch of people, got a bunch of their people killed, spent a bunch of money. And 15 years later, left. <laughs> and then, like, we just did the exact same thing. We did the exact same thing we tricked the Soviets into doing. And, yeah, man, nobody's going to suffer more than the Afghanis. It's going to get bad. I mean, it's been bad. It's going to get even worse. 
But I mean, George Bush. I mean, come on, man. Read the room. Bro. I mean, he, he should he he should go back to painting. Yeah, man. Yep. Yep, I agree. How, how about this one, Ramzo? Where's Dick Cheney? Where where is he? Where He's still alive, he? right? He's alive. He's still. I, is yeah. he? Got oh, I thought you were, you were you were phrasing that like sarcastically. He's he, no, no. yeah, he's he's still, he is still alive. Yeah. Yeah. Why did I just think that for a second that Dick Cheney was dead? You thought that too? Cuz yeah. I thought that for a second. Wait, am I like I just googled it. He's still alive. Okay. I was going to like yeah, yeah, I don't know. That was that was weird. Yeah. This is a professional podcast, Ramzo. I'm just saying, like, think of the listeners. They're probably pulling over if they're listening to this while driving to work or something. And they're like, is Dick Cheney still alive? <laughs> Dude. <laughs> I just had a brain fart, man. Yeah. Uh, Dude, so uh, one more thing before I let you go. This is great. This is just absolutely rich from the Democrats. Biden's DHS secretary, uh, Mayorkas. Mayorkas? Rough name, bro. I've yes. only read the name. Yeah. I've never said the name out loud. Is that Mayorkas? Ah, you're doing a better job than I could. That is an unfortunate name, by the way. Very Probably unfortunate. We got beat up a lot in grade school. But anyway, unless they uh, were, unless they were like the bully, it's like big bad Mayorkas. No way, man. No, no, I, I can't. I can't say I that can, seriously. I can kick. I look. I'm not like the biggest toughest guy, but I can beat anybody's ass whose last name is Mayorkas. I don't care how big they are. I can just, I can knock out any man named Mayorkas. That could be like a Mayorkas. wrestler name. Like the yeah, mighty okay. Mayorkas. <laughs> it's like, it sounds it sounds worse each time I try and tailor it just up. It's a, a very bit. bad local WWE offshoot. Yeah, man. Anyway, so he warned uh, Cubans who are uh, fighting for their freedom from communism and trying to escape the United States on boats and rafts um, not to come here because they'll be sent right back. So, I mean, it's interesting, man. What I don't know what happened to Democrats crying about the Statue of Liberty and saying that borders are racist and and, and all that. I, it seems like a, a full reversal. Oh, I mean, that that was what 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 did Kamali say when she called Joe Biden a segregationist? She was like, but it was during a debate. In this case, it's just going to be like, well, that was during an election. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, just I want I just want a Democrat like being a Democrat must be awesome. You like you never actually have to defend your own positions. But um, I just want a Democrat to defend. Just say it. Just say it out loud. Just say it. Why do to, you to want... Play, to play devil's advocate, though, it's like this illusion of difference. It's like, you know, Republicans, they, they never did anything about deficits. They never did anything to limit the scope of the bureaucracy, if anything, uh, during the Trump years, which I, I think he did many amazing policies that, you know, sadly, have a lot of them have been reversed. It's like, you know, the size and scope of government never went down. So I, mean, I look at this and I'm just like, it doesn't surprise me when they lie. It doesn't surprise me when the others lie. It's this illusion of change and for these people who are trying to justify it every every way to sunday it's like what what do you benefit from this like how but i just want if we had real journalists in this country and obviously we know we don't but like if we had just a journalist in this country they would ask a democratic politician why do you want unchecked illegal immigration from mexico and central america and no immigration from cuba well say didn't they didn't they say remove, it out loud. Did, didn't they remove Peter Ducey from Fox, from the White House press room? Like, didn't they just stop calling on him entirely? I have no idea. I like, well, I mean, I, I, I catch the Twitter bits. Like, Chanel Rion from uh, One America News did a pretty good job. But, you know, when she when she questioned us, uh, you know, 
Fauci during 2020. She was basically ostracized when Peter Ducey started asking uh, Jen Psaki about, um, you know, immigration, and everything else like he was basically ostracized. It's like, you know, we're not we're not we're not dealing with uh, people who have a history of like being the most open. I mean, no one remembers this about the Obama administration. Everyone was like, Trump is the biggest enemy of the media. But like Trump never wiretapped the AP and tried to send J- uh, James Rosen to jail. It's like, you know, we could go ahead and compare apples to oranges, but this one is a, is a little bit stark. Yesterday, Joe Biden, who, uh, if you guys didn't know, he's the president of the United States. Does he know that? He literally quoted the Stalin line that it doesn't matter who votes. It, it only matters who counts the votes. Man, that is that is so metal. It's like... <laughs> he, just said, he just said it. It's dementia brain, man. He says so much commie shit out loud like he says the quiet part out dude joseph stalin stalin not even lenin stalin (laughs) 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 the guy he killed three times as many people as hitler stalin (laughs) my gosh your your thoughts what a what a beautiful time to be alive (laughs) what a beautiful time dude (laughs) uh how did man I do wish we had a, a free press in this country because if we did, this guy would have been impeached already. <laughs> I mean, this God. is why, you know, this this is why, and I brought up the last time we we spoke. It's like I'm I'm obsessed with, uh, you know, the Paul brothers getting into boxing now. That just and, bothers uh, me. That I'm traveling, so, so I'm I'm traveling on August 29th when uh, Jake Paul is supposed to fight Tyrone Woodley. And people are like, you know, it's fixed. You know, it's this. And it's like, you know, Floyd Mayweather and Logan Paul were just hugging. They wanted to go all eight rounds. And Do you it's know how like, hard it is to fix you know, a fight. Yeah, it's like, and it's like, you know, I, 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 I love two sports a lot. I love, well, I, I, I put boxing and MMA into the same category, it's UFC. Combat, I mean, you can't, sports, yeah, I mean, you can't, you can't fake it in the ring. And there are no ties in baseball. So fighting and baseball are like the the three most honest sports, I think, out there right now. And it's like you can't fake it. I mean, I, it's do like, love, yeah. I do love fighting and baseball, but like I mean, you can't. Yeah, you're right. There is no ties in baseball and stuff like that. But I mean, they just, <laughs> they just I mean, Major League Baseball, they, they finally passed a rule saying that pitchers can't cheat anymore. And the pitchers what? lost their minds. They're like, why? <laughs> we got to cheat. How are you going to? They were mad. They, were, <laughs> they said the pitchers can't put sticky stuff on the baseball anymore, like pine tar and shit. That was and, a thing? Yes. And they all oh, cheated, and they were man. all mad about it. They're all mad about it. They're like, How I take you? it, they're I take like... it back. The only, <laughs> the only real sport is fighting. They're like, they're like, how can you change the rules on us in the middle of the season? Can't you give us some time to stop cheating? It's like, bro, what? It's nuts. Okay, nuts. so I think this only, I think this only drives my point home even further. I think you have a lot of people who are getting into Dude, like one more boxing thing. One more thing. All these yeah, pitchers, yeah. all these pitchers thought that they would get like sympathy from fans. Everyone's like, fans are just, just like, what the hell? Just don't cheat, man. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, it's not that. Just, just stop cheating. Anyway, go ahead. Oh my gosh. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that only drives my point home further. It's like, you know, uh, during that Logan Paul fight, he had like record number of people ordering pay-per-view and stuff. It's actually what caused the Showtime servers to crash for a little bit. That's why like hundreds of thousands of people got refunds. Like I got refunded for the game because of a 15-minute blackout. Um, so I got my 50 bucks back that I'm just going to probably spend again to watch uh, Paul fight Woodley. 
But it's like, you know, I think and it's very subliminal and maybe I'm looking too far into it, but we're so desperate for something real and something that is just like authentic that, you know, people look at this and they're like, you know, I'm willing to watch the Disney kid from YouTube fight this <laughs> has been boxing champ. I'm mean, sorry, MMA champ. Like, screw it. Let's do it. Yeah. Did you tune in to see uh, my boy Dustin the Diamond Poirier beat the crap out of Connor? He did not beat the crap out of Connor. Did you watch that fight? Come on. He he got he got him. That was a like cornered right? for that a, a second. That was a no. You know who beat Connor? Connor McGregor beat Connor McGregor. And when he heals up and they get back in the ring again, McGregor's going to go ahead and t- knock him out in three rounds. Oh come, D- Dustin. That's not. Knocked, I'm I'm not even. No Dustin no. He did. Knocked him he, out. He, in he did not. He he knocked him out in January, but you don't get to go up on Conor McGregor twice. He Conor McGregor oh, has had on. losses, but here's the thing: Conor McGregor you never know, loses you know, twice to the same person. He just he lost never, twice to the same person. His his ankle beat him. Conor McGregor Dude, beat Conor, Conor McGregor in that fight. Out, it was not he, Dustin. He outstruck. He was outstriking Conor on the feet so bad that Conor decided he was a wrestler and tried to it's take not, him down. He pulled. It's not tried, it's not tried, tried, tried to pull guard. Tried to pull jump a guillotine. And that didn't work. And then Dustin beat the crap out of him for like three and a half minutes and then let him up. And then Connor's leg fell off. That Listen, was the, ten, the, the was only a, person I will down. say, the only person I will say will always be able to greet to beat Conor McGregor pound for pound is Manny Pacquiao, as he did in 2015. I don't that even, Pacquiao. What are you talking Pac- about? Pacquiao fought McGregor in 2015. No, he did not. What, what did he fight? We're talking about different what sports now. About? Yeah, they did an expedition match. They did an ex- no, Floyd, exhibition Floyd, match. No, yeah, he boxed Floyd Mayweather and got beat he, up. He fought, oh, I'm sorry. I'm getting I'm getting things mixed up. Either way, McGregor beat McGregor this weekend. And when mean, he comes back after his leg is all done he's gonna, being, being he's all janky get, and stuff. No, he's his time is come and gone. He's in decline. Which makes all sense. Right. I mean, hey man, if I if I made like a hundred million dollars to get beat up by uh, Floyd Mayweather, I mean I probably wouldn't want to train very hard either. Five hundred million. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you put you put a hundred a hundred mil in in your bank account. You, you showing up to work tomorrow? <laughs> oh man, Pacquiao did fight Mayweather. I remember that. Yeah, yeah. Pac, yeah, Pac, That was one of the worst boxing matches I've seen in my life. It's terrible. It, was, it ended after it ended fast. I remember that. No, it did not. It was a decision. It was. Your, oh, your shit. memory, gotta, your memory go. is just like trash today. <laughs> I yeah yeah. Forget everything I said. Sorry. Nothing matters. <laughs> I mean, I'd watch. I would watch Manny Pacquiao knock out Conor McGregor. That would be hilarious. That would happen. I, I I could say I could totally say that. Especially because Manny, like Dustin Poirier, seems like a very nice guy, and Conor's just like an evil human being. <laughs> I mean, dude, Conor McGregor. Like, what happened to that rape allegation? He was arrested for on like a rape charge, and he like. I mean, he's been he's been that. arrested. He's he's been arrested for that. He got out of that. He got arrested for assault and yeah, he assaulted uh, property some old, damage. Old man in a bar, just punched some old man in the face for no reason. Well, well, he also he he also threw a, a beer bottle through one guy's uh, tour bus. No, he threw a. It was like a cart. It was like a hotel like baggage cart. Oh man, it just gets he, worse each time I say something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, like he injured a bunch of. Uh, uh, UFC fighters with uh, like broken glass because he threw like this handcart thing through a bus window for some reason. Just not a, not a nice guy. Not not a nice guy. That Conor McGregor. No one ever said he was nice. All I said was that he you know he's a good fighter. Was. Was. He was a good fighter. Because Conor, oh, Conor beat Greg. Conor beat Conor. <laughs> hey. Anytime Conor loses, it's a good day. So I'm happy with that. <laughs> I, I couldn't stand that guy from the beginning, by the way. But um. 
Yeah, man. So uh, where can everybody check out your two podcasts? I guess three well, podcasts. Three, yeah. if you want to get like super into it. Uh, today, if you're listening to this now, you can listen to a new episode of Free Exchange, uh, uh, podcast by the Badger Institute. I went ahead and interviewed investigative reporter Richard Moore about who really the majority of victims from COVID-19 were in the state of Wisconsin and what the numbers might reflect on how your state did. So go ahead and check out Free Exchange wherever podcasts are available. Every, and uh, we're going to really fire you online and all that good stuff. Oh, just hey, Remso. Keep it simple. Hey, Remso. Everybody check out Remso's multitude of podcasts available everywhere. Everybody follow him on Twitter. He's great. That's all I got for today. I'm Brady Leonard. I'll be back on Monday. No gimmicks.